0: About to hide this. Not now, not all winter long. Carlos Santana really needs to be brought back to Pittsburgh. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and/or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. Santana was named a National League Gold Glove Finalist for his defensive work at first base. That's cool. That's also very much deserved. Whether it's with your own eyes, whether it's from hearing people praise him, or whether it's from looking at the advanced metrics that showed he had 11 defensive runs saved at the position, more than anyone else, two more than anyone else. So there's at least a chance that he could win the Gold Glove itself, beating out Freddie Freeman from the Dodgers, Christian Walker from the Diamondbacks. Good for him. And if you want to dismiss it or you know just forget that it even happens because he finished the season in Milwaukee, that's up to you. That stuff doesn't really matter uh, to anybody when it comes to individual awards. But Santana was a really good first baseman on top of being – Pretty productive at the plate. Now, if you're one of those people who's stuck in 1975 and just keeps looking at batting average, you're not going to be impressed because he hit 240. However, if you understand the way modern baseball and have embraced the way modern baseball is measured, you'll see that he also had a 318 on base percentage, 429 slug, 747 OPS, which put him kind of in the middle of the pack for first baseman, 23 home runs, 86 RBIs, almost evenly split between Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. American Family Field, the former Miller Park, is pretty hitter friendly, so it makes sense that he was able to hit 11 home runs up there in just two months, but he was hitting them here too, especially once he got going after a little bit of a slow start. And yeah, I know he's going to be 38 next April. And that's maybe the one thing that gives you the most pause because anybody who's getting to that age, the very next time you see them can be when they begin to fall off the cliff. And that's usually how it goes. It's not a slow, gradual decline. It's just an, oh, no, he doesn't have it anymore. But when you look at the contract that Santana signed with the Pirates last winter. One year for $6.7 million. He was deemed by some publications over the course of the year as one of the best bargains in all of baseball at any position. So there's value to be had there too. And no, I don't care about saving Bob Nutting's money either. But that still matters because if you spend or whatever it is on first base, that's theoretically more of the overall pool that you can spend where you really need it, which is, of course, starting pitching. I'll take Santana at first base as my left-handed option at first base. I'll take Jared Triolo moving around the infield. I'll take him at first base as my right-handed option. Over there. That puts Triolo in some favorable circumstances. As far as hitting goes, he can line up against lefties and mash away, and whenever it's Carlos's turn to play, Triolo either watches or slides over to give Kibrian Hayes a breather at third, but you keep Triolo involved and you find out if that bat was real. That bat that we saw in September. That's not settling for second best at first base. It's just not. That's putting together what you have and what you probably could easily reacquire. Now, I've not heard the Pirates' thoughts on bringing Santana back because that would involve tampering. But I sure have heard Santana's. And for those of you who are new to the program and might have missed it at the time when I was in Milwaukee about a week after the Santana trade, he told me in no uncertain terms he'd love to come back. He's saying this while he's wearing a Pirates hat. He's getting emotional about the work that he'd done here, uh, the friendship that he'd formed with O'Neill Cruz about how he and Cruz are going to train together this winter in Tampa. He sounded like a guy who knew he was being rented for a few weeks. And that he was fully ready to return at the first opportunity. So much of this lines up. So much of it is so common sense that it's hard to imagine how it won't happen. Unless the Pirates were to go and try to spend some massive money on a first baseman. But then the pool isn't all that great at the position. Acquire one through a trade. Why? Why give up assets when you don't have to? In free agency, you don't have to. It's just money. I don't want to give up assets. We're now at the stage, maybe a little bit past the stage, of the Pirates' current evolution where everyone should be reasonably expecting that their acquisitions come largely in the form of just spending money. Here's a first baseman who won't cost you much, who will be league average when it comes to offense, uh, power, and above average, obviously, when it comes to defending. And you'll notice that I made it through the whole segment without, uh, at least until now, mentioning the leadership, but he's got that in spades. This is a guy you want on a winning team. When we come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Pat, who begins, DK, I love the daily shots. They keep me awake on a long drive home from work every day. You know, Pat, i got to tell you, my ambition level in doing this show every day is to make sure that I don't put you to sleep. But, but let's digress here. Pat asks, when you started off on yesterday's episode and said, guess how many pitchers have had Tommy John surgery in their career? I first thought about 15%, and then I thought, I'll guess super high, and I said 25%. Wow, 35.3% floored me. And then I was listening and driving, and I began to think that a few years ago, maybe more than that, rotator cuffs injuries were the big one to avoid. I'm sure they still occur, but more often than not, it's Tommy John. Do you think that Major League Baseball – Will expand rosters to keep more pitchers on a team to prevent overuse. Oh, everyone who pretends to have answers when it comes to pitching injuries is doing exactly that, Pat. They're pretending. I'm not going to do that. I have heard over the years, especially I would say over the past five that there's a, a bit of an internal push for carrying more pitchers and coming out of covid we saw that the active roster expanded from 25 to 26 and it was entirely due to the very reason that we're discussing here same thing goes for the double header extra guy you're not bringing up a position player to be that you're bringing up somebody who could fill a longer game, or uh, bail out your starter if he either gets hurt or can't last past a couple innings. All of that's being aimed at cutting down pitching innings. Will that help or hurt? I guess it stands to reason that it would, but you you also hear from some people, not just the old school, that... The best way to avoid pitching injuries is to pitch and make your arms stronger, and if you baby them too much, then they risk getting hurt by going out there and throwing a zillion miles an hour, uh, ice cold. No one knows. No one knows. Sure, if there are fewer innings, yeah, you would think that would make a difference. But then go back over the timeline for some of these guys who've gotten hurt just in the past year. You know, J.T. Brubaker didn't make it out of Bradenton. J.T. Brubaker, by every single accounting, including his own, showed up at Pirate City in ace condition. No complaints, no nothing. But one day, there it went. Is it too many off-speed pitches? Is it too much velocity? Is it... I, I, I don't know. They don't know. No one knows but less of it is probably as close as anyone's going to come to a safe uh, prognosis for how you should handle it. And, you know, before I let you guys go for the day, I I got a lot of response to that episode yesterday, uh, including from people who are industry professionals, uh, people who've had direct experience with either administering or instructing pitchers who've had this procedure. And they were really unsettled. A lot of people, not the professionals, obviously, but the, you know, just casual listeners, by the story that I was telling about the parents doing it with children, doing Tommy John surgery preemptively. Okay. I say children, and I'm sure that what this is is somewhere in the teens or whatever. To me, that's still doing it to a child. And a couple of them questioned whether or not it was even real. If you knew where I heard this from and who I heard this from, you would not come close to questioning its veracity. And I did, most unfortunately, have it supported by a couple of listeners as well who'd heard of similar situations. That is not that action first of all is not considered to be something that's common or prevalent or whatever it's rare but it is also not something that anybody anybody in the baseball world would recommend if you ever hear of something like that something specific find someone to report that kid's parents to okay i don't again i don't want to make more of this than what it is because I don't know the extent to which it occurs. But if you ever, ever find out about something like that, wow, I don't know what CYS's number is, but I would definitely Google it and give him a call. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow.